We thank you for, uh, Lord God, so many good things you give us. We thank you for this time of the year where we do uh, get to celebrate um, the birth of our Saviour Jesus and Lord, you coming to earth in flesh and blood. We thank you for your Son. Lord, we pray that you would uh, guide me in my words and uh, open our hearts to what you have to say to us today in our minds. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you sent a Saviour to die for us so that we can have life. And that is, Lord, the greatest gift we'll ever have received. Um, Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, last year, Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge, who are, of course, who's, who's of course Kate, the Duchess of Cambridge, they visited Canada. Now, um, and rather helpfully, the Department of Canadian Heritage uh, issued a set of rules of what to do when meeting a royal. Many of us might think, well, that's very Canadian. We've got some Canadians. They can help us out with that in a moment. Um, here's a set of rules, and here's a taste of what you ought to do when you're meeting a royal. So let me give you a few. The first one is there's no, there's no selfies allowed. So if you meet a royal one day, you're not allowed to pull, pull them aside and take a selfie with them. Not allowed to do that. Um, you can't call them by their first name. Do you know that? You can't, it has to be your Royal Highness. And if the conversation goes pretty well, you can move on to ma'am and sir. Keep that in mind. Uh, it, it does say nothing. These set of rules said nothing about nicknames either. So I think we can go with, with well, Billy. Billy's a good one for William, isn't it? Hey, Bill, how are you going? Well, I don't know, what would you call Kate? Katie. Um, Australians have to think up nicknames, of course. Um, you, you've got to make, this is number three, you have to make polite conversation. So you, you're not going to get, you can't get too personal. You can't tell them about the nasty rash you've been developing over the last two or three days. That would be inappropriate. You can't do that. Uh, apparently you don't have to curtsy. So here's a, a famous, um, uh, this is Harry Styles, for those of you who don't know. He's a famous singer from the, the young people follow. Isn't that right? Um, that he's, you can see he's shaking hands. You don't have to curtsy, but if you do curtsy, there's a way to do it, which I'm not going to demonstrate now. The next one is um, physical contact is a big no-no, so you can't run up and give them a hug unless you're a little child. That's proper etiquette. If you're a little child, you can run up and you can give the, the princess or the prince or whatever a hug. And um, this is a one I think is really important to remember, is that you can't wear hats, or hats are not to be worn after 6.30pm. There we go. So something like that you really shouldn't wear any time. Um, but you can't wear a hat when you're meeting a royal after 6.30pm. There you go. And apparently if you do, well, it's, of course, off with your head. Um, now, a big, um, uh, for, for a long time, social etiquette uh, requires the giving of gifts when... Um, uh, when visiting or meeting the royal family. And there's actually a great number of gifts. You can, you can see them in the, in the British collection uh, that's stored away. Uh, they're listed, they're made public. All these gifts that the royals have been given. Uh, they're not allowed to be... You know, they're not allowed to keep those gifts that have been given unless they are food, in which case they have to eat them in front of the Queen. Um, no, I just made that bit up, actually. Um, but uh, I did hear a funny example recently of a royal gift. Uh, as a wedding gift, the as a wedding gift, Saudi Arabia's King Abdullah gave his daughter, wait for it, a golden toilet. That's it, a golden toilet. 
complete with all the trimmings. And, uh, you know, talk about sitting on the throne, you know. Um, well, when the Magi, when the Magi from the east uh, came, um, they came and met Jesus, we read in Matthew 2 that they were overjoyed, they worshipped him, and that means they, they paid homage to this king, and they gave gifts to this king. The king of the Jews, we read in Matthew 2, uh, verse, verse 2. The Christ, God's king, God's long-awaited king, the Messiah. But unlike some of the gifts given to various royals over time, what was given to King Jesus was actually standard affair, a typical gifts for a king. That is, they're expensive. That's it. Expensive gifts. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, were the gifts symbolic? Gold, a typical gift for a king? Frankincense used in temple worship by the high priest and, and the New Testament speaks of Jesus being our high priest as he mediates for us. Myrrh used to embalm bodies at burial and perhaps pointing to Jesus' sacrificial death. Possibly symbolic, as the guys in the video suggested. In fact, uh, they, they suggested some different reasons why these gifts might have been sub symbolic to the ones I've got. That begs the question then, perhaps the symbolism just is a little bit, is asking a little bit too much for these magi. What is clear though, is that these gifts were simply gifts fit for a king. But as Matthew's Gospel in the Bible tells us, Jesus was no ordinary king. That's the first thing I want us to remember today. Jesus is no ordinary king. Not only was Jesus' birth not very kingly, he was born in humble circumstances in an animal's feeding trough, away from the clean sheets and fresh water and comforts of an inn. And of course, remember last week, she, uh, Jesus was born of Mary. Mary was, I get this quote right, a nobody from a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. That's Mary. And as Matthew points out too, in the fulfilment of the prophecy of Micah chapter 5 that Phil read for us, uh, Matthew 2 verse 6, you can see it in your Bibles, Matthew 2 verse 6 says, But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Bethlehem may have been a lowly town, a nowhere place, out the back of nowhere. But that's not the case anymore, says Matthew in reading this, in reinterpreting in some ways this Micah prophecy. Jesus' birth was not very king-like. And Jesus' life was not the life of a king, or any rule for that matter. The gifts dried up quickly, didn't they? He travelled the countryside. Uh, he, he wasn't all, when, he, when he did that, he wasn't always welcomed and sometimes even forced out of towns, even his hometown. And of course, in his death, he was despised and rejected, humiliated and betrayed. Hardly very kingly, isn't it? But Jesus did not come to be an ordinary king. A king like Herod, we read in Matthew. The Bible tells us Jesus came to, to serve, uh, not to be served and receive gifts and paid homage to like a normal king. Now Jesus would go on to explain to his disciples in Matthew chapter 20 that he came to serve and then give his life as a ransom. That, that's what's so extraordinary about Jesus' kingship. He would serve by giving his life. As a ransom for many. Normally kings, 
would not go into battle. Even in those times, can you imagine a, a president or a prime minister going into battle on the front line? It just doesn't really happen. But if they had to go in the battle, if they had to do it, well, then they'd be surrounded by highly trained guards and who, who, would, who would make it abundantly clear and they'd even shout it out, protect the king. That's our goal, protect the king at all costs. And many guards, of course, would lose their lives protecting the king. But that's not the king we read about with Jesus in the Bible, is it? Now, this king, instead of having his life preserved... No, no, he gives up his life, this king does. Jesus is not an ordinary, he's no ordinary king because God's king, Jesus, came into the world as a gift for you and me. Jesus is God's present to you and I. He gives his life as a gift. Jesus, the not-so-ordinary king, is God's gift to the world, to us. Now, that's the second thing I want us to remember as, uh, as we read on. Jesus is God's gift to the world. So John 3.16 tells us this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a verse we know, or a lot of us might know. In God's love for the world, the Bible calls it grace, he sent his son, he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to give his life so that we might live. 30 years ago, in fact, April 2nd uh, this year, to be precise, two RAAF pilots, uh, Flight Lieutenant Mark Speed Fallon, I think he's the guy on the, the left, and uh, he was age 24, and Flight Officer William Pike, he was a navigator, age 22, they were flying their F-111s on a training run in northern New South Wales, in, in Tenerfield, just over Tenerfield. They had a decision to make as they were flying along. You see, there was a mechanical failure and they were going down. The plane was about to crash. This was their decision. They eject and save themselves, but the plane would most probably land in the middle of a middle of suburban tenderfield. Or stay in the aircraft and guide it to safety away from any population, buildings, towns and so on. Well, they died with the plane on a paddock a few kilometres out of town. What these two men did was give their lives so that others might live. It's true, isn't it? Their death, death was a saving act. Martin Luther, the famous reformer, called the, the cross, he called the cross the great exchange. But unlike the two pilots, Jesus died not for friends or strangers even. No, no, Jesus died for enemies, those who had rejected him, us. The Bible calls us that sinners. On the cross, Jesus made a decision, just like these two did. Jesus died in our place, dying the death we deserved for our sin. As a ransom, he paid the penalty for our sin. That's the great exchange, his death for our life. The righteous dies for the unrighteous so that we can know God and be friends with him. It's why the angel announced to the shepherds that this was good news. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, the angels announced. I love these words, um, to be honest, of my, one of my favourite carols uh, just up here. We'll sing it actually in a few moments. Nails, spear shall pierce him through, the cross he born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. God's gift to the world 
was the life of his son, his not-so-ordinary king. So what gift can I possibly offer Jesus? If I'm one of those magi, what can I possibly offer this king, God's king? For most of us, Christmas is a bit about presents. Uh, so that's a question when you ask, I'm going to give Jesus, my king, a present. What, what, what do I give him? Should I search out some gold, <laughs> some, um, some incense and myrrh? How should we respond to the coming of God's king? I reckon the clues might be found in another verse of that same carol. It says here, So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. What can I offer God's king? I want to say, on the one hand, nothing. And on the other hand... Everything. There's nothing we can do, offer, give to Jesus to make us right with him, to impress him. Nothing we can do to, to pay homage. Nothing. But as the Bible tells us, and deep down we all know it, because we push God aside and try to run our lives without him being in charge, we need to come to Jesus with empty hands I've got nothing. Please forgive me. I trust in you. So we come to him with nothing, but also we can come to King Jesus and give him everything. We can give him our whole lives, all our gold, all our incense, and all our myrrh. In other words, all our hearts, all our lives, everything. That is, you see the last line of that verse there, let loving hearts enthrone him. We can make him ruler of our lives. So what are you going to give King Jesus in your life? What are you going to give him? Perhaps what are you going to give up for King Jesus? That's a fair question, isn't it? If he's really your king, what are you going to give him? One, we come to him with empty hands. And I wonder if you're doing that today, coming to King Jesus with empty hands. Or are you coming to Jesus saying, I've made it here to church today. I'm doing the right thing. I'm being a good boy. Well, good girl, <laughs> God will love me more because I'm here. It's not quite true, is it? No, we come to him with empty hands and say, God, I'm a sinner. I've fallen before you. But I tell you what, in response to your goodness to me, Lord God, Christ, my King, I'm going to give you everything. I'm not going to skimp. I'm not going to give you the leftovers. I'm going to give you everything. My whole heart, my whole life, my Christmas, my family, Everything. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's worth us remembering just for a moment, we ought to do it more often, what God's king has done for us. God's king who is a gift from God to us, who died for us, how are we going to respond to God's King? I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing that song. And as we sing that song together, uh, that wonderful hymn, it's got a lovely tune to it as well. I'd love you to focus on what you will give in response to God and his gift to you. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you that for many of us, yes, Christmas is a time of, um, of uh, giving and receiving. It's a time of presence and all those sort of things. But, Lord, we, we can get carried away with that. Lord, we want to remember that the greatest gift we'll ever received is the gift of your Son. Lord, we, um, we pray today that you would help us to think about how we respond to that and what we ought to give you, King Jesus because of all that you've done for us. Lord, we pray that we'd, give, we'd let our, our hearts enthrone you, our loving hearts enthrone you, and place you on your throne as king. Lord, thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.